0: Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Killer Instinct. Happy Wednesday. I hope you're doing good, having a good week. If not, it's almost over. We will get through it together. Two little housekeeping things before we jump into today's case that I want to mention is the first one. I am using a new microphone today. I am currently out of town. I forgot my microphone and my entire setup, so I went out and bought a new setup. Now, the reason I am telling you this is for two things. One, I would love to know how you like this microphone and if this sounds good to you or if it sounds absolutely terrible, let me know that as well. And if it is terrible, then we will go back to our regular mic that we have been using. So just wanted to let you know if the sound sounds a little bit different today, a little bit weirder. It's because it is. It's different. So just keep that in mind. And the second thing that I wanted to talk to you about briefly was the fact that I made a killer Instinct Instagram. For a while, I've been getting DMs asking, do I have a Killer Instinct Instagram? Where is the Killer Instinct Instagram? Things of that sort. So I finally decided to sit down and create one and you can go follow it at Killer Instinct Podcast on Instagram. You can send in all your case requests in those DMs. You can check out all the Killer Instinct updates. That's going to kind of be where everything Killer Instinct related is, as well as my own personal Instagram, which is just at Savannah Brimer. So you can pick and choose which one you want to follow. If you want to follow both, if you want to follow neither, totally up to you. And also before we jump into today's case, I want to go back and look at your guys' theories for the Todd family murders that we discussed last week. I posted the video on my YouTube channel and you guys listened to the podcast last week, or if you didn't, you can pause this, go back and listen to it now, or you can skip through this part. Finish today's episode and go back and listen to that one later. Now, quick recap. We have Anthony Todd, who has been arrested and charged and currently is awaiting trial for the murder of his wife and three children, as well as an animal cruelty charge for the murder of their family dog. Anthony was arrested, and about six months after his arrest, he wrote a 27-page letter to his father, who had also been arrested in the past for attempting to murder his mother. And in this letter, Anthony said that he was not guilty, and that in fact it was his wife who murdered their children before ultimately committing suicide. Now, you guys had a lot to say about this case, and I loved reading through all of your opinions on it. So if you don't know, you can always email in your thoughts, theories, comments, suggestions, anything of those sorts to killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that is just killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. So this first writer writes in and says, quote, hi, Savannah. I have a lot of questions with this case. First of all, Why write a letter to a father who has tried to kill your own mother? I mean, it is totally bizarre. And even if Megan had murdered their kids and then killed herself, it doesn't justify why Anthony wouldn't call the cops after she killed herself. Living with the bodies just expanded the parks of being a psychopath for Anthony, and I honestly believe that his fraud does not become a motive for murdering his whole family and then turning himself in. I think that there is way more to this case than it seems on the surface. I'm sorry for writing such a long email, but it just kept plundering me and I wasn't able to give my mind a rest." End quote. Well, first of all, never apologize. For sending a long email and you are a hundred percent right i mentioned this in my youtube video even if megan was the one who murdered her kids that does not explain the weeks that anthony was sitting with the decomposing bodies it just does not make any sense Why wouldn't he call authorities right after it happened if that was really the story? You know, why wouldn't he go run and get help? He said he couldn't find a phone. Why not go to a neighbor's house and start banging on the door? Genuinely, like, what was he doing during that time if that is the story? Just sitting there staring at her watching this all unfold? It just doesn't make sense. Now, the second message we have comes from another listener who says, quote, "'Hey, Savannah, I'll get straight to it. I think Anthony is guilty.' Reasons being quite obvious, although I think that over time he'd develop a mindset similar to a pathological liar, it feels to me that he doesn't want to believe he murdered his own family. Or maybe he wanted to seem like a sympathetic person, so the story ended up being switched up after his confession, maybe for different sentencing or to get a better peace of mind. I do think that his father had something to do with this, or at least built up Anthony's motive to do this. The evidence seems way too clear to be anything else in my opinion, although anything is possible, end quote. And I agree. I think it's very possible that Anthony switched up his confession and said that he didn't do it to get a lesser sentence. Personally, in my opinion, I don't believe that Anthony cares about whether or not he did this to his family. I don't think he has the conscience to care. What I think that this is, is him realizing that he can say, that Megan did this and that he was not involved and he wasn't responsible because no one else was there to say otherwise Megan's not here to defend herself his kids aren't here to defend themselves he can really make up any narrative that he wants even though he already confessed so i do think that he is seen also a pattern of people similar to himself example Chris Watts has done a very similar act and he saw that Chris Watts said this and you know I'm going to say this too it makes sense maybe people will believe me maybe I'll get a lesser sentence I think that was what was going through his mind more so than trying to clear a guilty conscience because I don't think he has one in my personal opinion so that is where we're going to cap it at that with the Todd family murders thank you so much for writing in Now let's move on into today's twisted case. So today we are talking about the bizarre unsolved death of Jeanette De Palma. This case is unlike any we've ever covered in the past because it deals with the possibility of satanic rituals, witchcraft, and possible human sacrifice as some of its main theories. So because of that, I am extremely interested to hear your stance on this because this one has got me absolutely stuck. Jeanette De Palma was born on August 3rd, 1956 in Jersey City, New Jersey, to her parents Florence and Salvatore De Palma. Now Jeanette was born into an extremely large Italian family. She was one of five daughters and also had three brothers. So she was one of eight siblings and she was described as a kind and beautiful young woman She had dark brown hair and brown eyes. Now, coming from a large Italian family, Jeanette was also pretty religious. She was an evangelist who planned on attending Bible college after high school. I will say in my research, Jeanette's stance on religion did vary. Some people said that her religion was more so pushed onto her by her parents and that she had more of a wild side to her. However, some also said that she was extremely invested in it, so maybe there was a middle ground in that. Jeanette was only 16 years old when she went missing, so let's jump to that day. Jeanette went missing on August 7th, 1972. This was a Monday, and at the time Jeanette was living with her family in Springfield Township, New Jersey. On the day that Jeanette went missing, she told her mother that she was going to be taking the train to a friend's house. However, Jeanette never returned home that night. Jeanette wasn't the type to not come home and definitely wasn't the type to not call her parents if her plans had changed. So when she didn't show up later that night, her parents ended up contacting the Springfield Police Department to file a missing persons report on the night of August 7th, 1972. And for the following six weeks, no one knew where Jeanette was. No one had reported seeing or hearing from her, and her parents were terrified that they would never see Jeanette again. Then on September 19th, 1972, again just six weeks after Jeanette initially went missing, A dog and its owner had gone on a walk together, and on this walk, the dog ended up bringing back an unknown object to his owner in Springfield. At first, the dog's owner was unsure about what the object was, however, after taking a closer look, the owner realized that their dog had brought back a decomposed, amputated forearm. Obviously, the owner was in absolute shock. Their dog had just brought them back an arm, so they immediately called the authorities to let them know of the finding. Once authorities were contacted, they began searching around the area where the dog was thought to be, and when they did, they discovered Jeanette's body lying face down on top of a cliff specifically located in Springfield's Codale Quarry and just to give you some context, this is in a 120-acre Quarry located in Springfield Township, so in the same town that Jeanette lived in with her family. And when authorities discovered Jeanette's body, they noticed something very interesting and different and there are a couple different variations of this particular part of the case. However, when Jeanette's body was discovered, it was said that there were various different objects surrounding her body. These objects included rocks and wooden sticks that were said to be placed in a cross shape that were outlining her body. Jeanette's body was so decomposed at the time that it was discovered that she actually had to be identified through dental records. And there was actually no autopsy performed because of the state of decomposition that Jeanette's body was discovered in. They were able to get x-rays of her skull taken, and when they did that, it showed no evidence of any fractures, bullet holes, or any other noticeable traumatic injuries. So because of this, and to this day, Jeanette's cause of death has actually never been determined. But regardless of this, there has been heavy speculation of Jeanette's cause of death being either strangulation or drug overdose. One thing that the medical examiner did discover in Jeanette's body was an unusually high amount of lead in her remains. However, there was never any possible explanation for that either, so to this day, we don't know why there is such a high amount of lead in her system. Now at first, everyone in Springfield Township was extremely stumped at this case and was also, understandably so, extremely terrified. Clearly there was a murderer on the loose in Springfield Township and no one had any idea who could be responsible for something like this. Jeanette was only 16 years old. She was extremely religious, she went to church, she had a great family. No one understood why anyone would want to do something like this to Jeanette. A couple months following the discovery of Jeanette's body and in the middle of the investigation, in January 1973, the FBI actually tested some of Jeanette's clothing that she was wearing, which included her shirt, pants, underwear and some of the dirt around the surrounding area where her body was discovered to see if they could pick up any fibers on it. However, the FBI stated that there were quote-unquote no apparent foreign hairs found on the clothing. However, even though there weren't any hairs found, there were multiple stains found in her underwear, bra, blouse, and her pants. However, the problem here was that the stains were quote- Too decomposed for conclusive blood and semen examinations," end quote, and that was a quote according to the crime lab report. So because of the state of decomposition that Jeanette's body was discovered in, Basically, they couldn't do any testing on her or her clothing, or they could do the testing, but they couldn't find anything because of the level of decomposition. Now, before we get any further into the investigation, I want to take a step back for a second and talk about what was happening in the United States at the time of Jeanette's murder. At the time, it was 1972, and at this time, a lot of Americans were going through something that is often referred to as the quote-unquote jesus movement now to paraphrase and based off of my research this is when the so-called hippie generation was kind of mellowing out and a lot of families were turning to more religious beliefs. The Jesus movement began in the 1960s and essentially it was an evangelical Christian movement beginning on the west coast of the United States in the late 1960s and early 1970s that spread primarily throughout the United States, Europe, and Central America. But even though certain people were turning to more Christian and evangelical beliefs, a lot of people were also getting into Satanism and witchcraft as well. Just 11 days after Jeanette's body was discovered, the Home News Tribune wrote in an article saying quote, Authorities were investigating the possibility that witchcraft and Satan worship was involved in the death of Jeanette. End quote. Now, one of the reasons that people believed this was because less than two miles away from where Jeanette's body was discovered, there were actually a reported number of sacrifices that involved dead animals, and around the same time that Jeanette's body was discovered in the same park, but you have to remember it was an 120-acre park, Authorities had found burning candles, a bowl of blood, and feathers, as well as pigeons with their necks snapped. So because of this, when Jeanette was found, the rumor mill started spinning about Jeanette's death having some sort of connection with being ritualistic or a part of witchcraft. Two weeks after the discovery of her remains, several newspapers began reporting that Jeanette could have been the victim of human sacrifice that was possibly carried out by local witches who allegedly would meet inside the nearby Wachung Reservation, which is the largest nature reserve, in union city new jersey i also want to point out that this theory of satanism is also supported because where jeanette's body was discovered the specific area is referred to by locals as quote unquote the devil's teeth jeanette's body was found on top of a cliff in this park and the specific cliff where she was found was referred to by locals as the devil's teeth So obviously when you have allegations of satanic rituals being involved in Jeanette's death and then her being found on a specific cliff called devil's teeth, it's easy to make that connection. I also wanna circle back on the finding that Jeanette's body had an unusually high amount of lead in her system. And a lot of people have claimed that lead is used in witchcraft. And because an unusually high amount was discovered in her system, like I said, people have linked that to Jeanette's death being a result of witchcraft. People have also said that the rocks and wooden sticks put in the cross formation were also pointing to a ritualistic killing. And an anonymous tip actually came in after Jeanette's body was discovered from someone who claimed that two years prior to Jeanette's murder, there was a group of people who called themselves the witches, who threatened that they were going to murder a child on Halloween two years prior to Jeanette's death however, nothing came of that. And I think it's also important to point out that Jeanette lived in Springfield, and Springfield was a quiet, middle-to-upper-class suburban area. And these types of things did not happen often. Disappearances, murders, and especially satanic rituals and witchcraft. And honestly, you guys, I wish I could sit up here and tell you more about witchcraft and satanic rituals and things like that. I have no idea about those types of things. That is not my forte. I could not educate you on those types of things. I'm sure some of you out there probably could and know way more about this subject than I do. And my extent of knowledge on this subject basically doesn't go past this case. I did try and extend my research to try and learn about lead being found in someone's system and how that's connected to witchcraft and witchcraft in New Jersey and satanic rituals and things like that. However, my honest extent of education and knowledge on this subject does not surpass this case. So while there are interesting and definitely notable coincidences and instances that can connect Jeanette's death to a satanic ritual or a cult or witchcraft, there are a couple other theories that we should go over as well. Okay, we're going to take a short break but we will be right back with more of the Killer Instinct podcast. Do you ever fantasize about who you'd be if you lived somewhere different? Maybe you'd surf if you lived by the beach. Or maybe if you lived in the city, you would live above a coffee shop and finally be able to write that novel you've always dreamed of. Or if you had a dishwasher, maybe you'd actually be able to start cooking and make a proper dinner at home. With over 1 million available units for rent on apartments.com, the you abilities are endless. Apartments.com lets you narrow down exactly what you want and when you want it. And with their instant alert, you'll never miss out on seeing what could be your new perfect place. Apartments.com has helped millions of renters find their perfect place to live, whether that's an apartment, a townhome, or even a house. And they can help you find exactly what it is that you're looking for. Visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. All right, you guys, welcome back. The first one being that when Jeanette's body was discovered, multiple tips came in to the authorities regarding a homeless man who was known to reside in the park where Jeanette's body was found. This man went by the name Red and he left the woods shortly after Jeanette went missing. And obviously, because of the weird timing of that all, authorities did look into it and brought him in for questioning. However, after questioning, they figured out that he had absolutely nothing to do with this case. I also wanna talk about one of the officers in this case who then went on to become the lieutenant of the Springfield Police Department, and that is a man named Donald Schwartz. He worked for the Springfield Police Department, and he was the first officer to find the body. And we do have a couple statements from him. In regards to finding Jeanette's body, he said, quote, I'm the one who found the body. It was hard. I have five daughters, and this could have been one of my daughters, you know? When I got up there, the body was lying right there. She had tan pants and a navy blue shirt. End quote. Now when it comes to the theories of this case, Donald does not believe that Jeanette's death was the result of a satanic or witchcraft ritual. He said that he believes that those rumors started after another officer saw the rocks surrounding her body and made a remark that it looked satanic. So basically he's saying that one of the officers who saw the body saw the rocks and made the satanic comment and then basically threw the grapevine, the satanic theory carried out. Donald said, quote, "'There was nothing to that. "'I don't know what happened. "'There's a lot of theories out there. "'A lot of people speculating this and that. "'I don't buy it,' end quote." Instead, Donald says, quote, "'They were probably doing drugs and she OD'd. However, again, it's important to note that there were no evidence of drugs found in the medical examiner's report. Something Donald also pointed out was the fact that Jeanette was wearing flip-flops. And this was interesting because he said, quote, Somebody had to be there with her because she had flip-flops on. I was in hiking boots and I had trouble getting up that little hill where she was laying. So with flip-flops, she would have had a hell of a time getting up that hill. End quote. So that brings in the question of did someone carry Jeanette up that hill to where her body was discovered and if they did, did they carry her up there while she was alive or did they carry her up there after she had already died? Donald said that he was also informed that some of the kids who hung around Jeanette and some of the kids that Jeanette hung around herself were to be involved in drugs and he thought by this point someone might come forward and say something. He said, quote, We figured after this period of time, somebody may come forward and have a heart to say, I was there, or I know what happened, but nobody's ever come forward, end quote. Now, Jeanette's nephew has also come forward to speak on Jeanette's case, and in his mind, he doesn't think that this was a satanic ritual or a drug overdose. Ray Sajewski, the son of Jeanette's older sister, has said, quote, That's not what happened. She was no angel, but she wasn't a drug addict. It was the 70s and a lot of people smoked pot. It was normal, but no, it wasn't drugs. No way. He then went on to say, quote, whoever did it knows they did it, and I don't even know if that person is still alive anymore, end quote. Now, Ray does have a very strong point here that I think we need to talk about, and that was the fact that this was the 70s and a lot of people smoked weed. However, it was not nearly as widely acceptable as it is today. People lie on all different spectrums when it comes to weed. Some people think it's a hardcore drug. Some people think it's literally nothing and don't have any problem doing it. Some people like it. Some people don't. It's illegal some places. It's legal others. It's just one of those things where there's a lot of back and forth that comes with it. So we don't necessarily know when people say that Jeanette was involved with people who did drugs. She was around people who did drugs. She did drugs herself. We don't know if they mean she smoked pot here and there and that was what it was considered And at the time, it was a lot less acceptable than it is now, and it was deemed a lot more rebellious than it is now. Or we don't know if there were more hardcore drugs thrown in there that we just haven't been made aware of. But I do think Ray has a very good point when he says that she smoked weed. But a lot of people did. It was the 70s. So I just think that that's important to keep in mind as well because I think in today's world, we see it as when someone is, says, you know, they're doing drugs or they're involved in drugs. We think of the hardcore drugs, but this is back in the 70s. So things were viewed a lot differently. Now, another big question that has come out of this case is the arm. Jeanette's arm was found by a dog and taken to its owner. And a lot of people have thought that that just in and of itself is way too coincidental to be what actually happened. Multiple people have questioned how the arm ended up in the dog's mouth. Was it already detached off of her body and then the dog found it? Or was the arm attached to her body and the dog ripped it off? It would be interesting to note, based off of how Jeanette's body was discovered, If it appeared that it was a clean cut, maybe one done with a knife, or if the break was a lot less clean and looked like it could have been done by an animal, I couldn't find that anywhere. And I feel like that's super key in this, is how did that arm look to be taken off? People have questioned saying that what if the arm was already removed and placed somewhere by the perpetrator or by the person responsible in order for this dog or for someone to find it? which to me, I don't really understand what the purpose of that would be. However, it just, there's something weird about this arm. So I'm very interested to hear what you guys have to say about that. Now I want to bring in a whole new theory and that theory involves a man named Reverend James Tate. Reverend Tate was a pastor at the church that Jeanette and her family attended and was actually one of the first people who was interviewed by the newspapers after Jeanette's body was discovered. Remember how I mentioned earlier that two weeks after her remains were found, articles broke about Jeanette being involved in Satanism? Well, those articles included interviews from Reverend Tate, who confirmed that Jeanette and her sister had struggled with drugs in the past. The Reverend said, quote, "'I'm sure Jeanette herself wasn't involved in anything like that but I know many of the other young people in this area are involved. Kids tell us that when they are on drugs, they are in the control of Satan. They do things they don't want to do, and they say things they don't want to say because of the power of evil, end quote. And it was said also that Jeanette and Reverend Tate had a very close relationship and that Jeanette had worked with him in a program designed to help drug-addicted teenagers. Now, a lot of people, when reading through Reddit and things like that, thought it to be very strange that Reverend Tate was so open to the media and almost seemed as if he ran to them so quickly. And then to add on to this, here's another twist in this case, Reverend Tate's son, whose name is Wayne, was actually dating Jeanette up until a week or two before her disappearance. So if you were wondering if there was any possible love interest at the time of Jeanette's disappearance, this would be one of those. Wayne was dating Jeanette up to one or two weeks prior to her disappearance. Now, Wayne describes this relationship as an innocent romance, saying that they only saw each other at church events. However, learning this made me wonder if there was something far more sinister going on here. If there were no drugs found in Jeanette's system, it's hard to believe she OD'd. And honestly, we've seen countless times in the past, take the Amy Allwine case that we just covered two weeks ago, for example, where the preacher killed his wife. He was the preacher, he was the couple's counselor, a part of this extremely religious church, and wouldn't divorce her because it was against his religion. However, he ended up murdering her anyways. We've seen people who are so deeply invested in their religion, yet they still go out of their way to do harm. Maybe Wayne was upset that Jeanette was involving herself in drugs or hanging out with the wrong crowd. Maybe Jeanette was cheating on Wayne and Wayne found out and Reverend Tate found out and it became something far bigger than she first anticipated. Maybe Reverend Tate performed a ritual on Jeanette to try and help get rid of her sins because of her drug problem but ended up murdering her instead. Maybe he told her he could help cure her of a drug addiction. Maybe Reverend Tate made advances at Jeanette and she shut him down. To me personally, the Reverend thing is way more of a possibility than the satanic ritual cult theory. However, regardless, the police had actually never looked into Reverend Tate. He was never considered a person of interest. He was never considered a suspect. No one really thought to look at him which again, to me, I find to be very strange considering the coincidences and considering the fact that he was so quick to run to the media. And also for a case that has so many theories that are deeply rooted in religion and Satanism and witchcraft and things like that, you would think that Reverend Tate would be one of the people that is looked at in this case. That's just my thought. That is just my theory, and that is what I'm going to leave you with for you to tell me yours. You guys can email me at killerinstinctpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Again, that is killerinstinctpodcast@gmail.com, at gmail.com. And let me know what your thoughts are about this case, and we will go over it next week. With that being said, you guys, that is all for me today. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Killer Instinct. If you are new here, make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button because A, it's free and B, you'll always be notified every time we post an episode. We post weekly here every single Wednesday and you will not wanna miss it. I will be back next week for our last episode before a two week break that we take for the holidays. And until then, stay safe guys.